This is the Goalkeeper Roundtable, hosted by Dr. Bill Steffen, with co-hosts Jeff Shook, Dave LaTourette, and George Costellis. Welcome to Episode 3 of the Goalkeeper Roundtable. Today, we wrap up and transition out of our serious topic, Return to Play. Whether that return is from the current pandemic, a long layoff, an injury, or your team simply returning to a preseason training camp, all of these concepts should apply. Today's discussion is centered around the technical and tactical coaching concepts for integrating your goalkeeper with one, two, and three or more field players. As a group, we really enjoyed this discussion and learned something new to take back to our own teams and training sessions. Don't forget to like and then share our podcast with coaches and goalkeepers you think will find this valuable. Now it's time to turn it over to Dr. Bill, GK, Lotto, and Shooky. Uh, welcome to another edition of the Goalkeeper Roundtable. Um, my name is uh, Dr. Bill Steffen. I'm here with uh, some colleagues that I'll throw it out to. They can introduce themselves. And we're going to talk a little bit today about a goalkeeper training now as we're starting to bring field players back into training. We can train more than solo work, but adding a field player, adding two field players, adding a third field player. So here's the rest of the crew. Go ahead, fellas. Hey, guys. Dave Lauderett here again. Uh, good to be back. And uh, a little little shout out to was a little sentimental the week and this weekend and uh, before we got on we we're all chatting about some our experiences that three of us anyway worked a lot of time together soccer plus so a little shout out to Tony DeChico and uh, he passed away three years ago this past weekend so made me a little nostalgic and uh, so it's good to get back with uh, with you guys here this week for another another go around. George Costellis from George Costellis Goalkeeping and uh, again, former Soccer Plus uh, National Director and uh, current United Soccer Coaches Staff Coach. And Jeff Shook, I think I'm the only guy in our group who was not part of that Soccer Plus family. You're um, the black sheep. I asked <laughs> many of my players to that camp um, as I was a young coach knowing that I could always send players there um, to people who I trusted and would give them quality and competent information. Um, and just a little shout out as we get back to normal. Um, we were at, actually able in the UWS last night to play our first official match oh, wow. uh, with crowds, referees and everything else. So we get a little bit of normalcy. Um, in our club's opening match, we got our first win two nothing. So things are off to a good start. All <laughs> who played had one exceptional moment um, and walk away with the shared shutout. Oh, congratulations, Jeff. Good. I'm sure Tony is smiling down on all of us as we go through this. Um, all right. So, uh, again, one player and a field player. So there's not a lot, you know, we're going to throw it around, but there's not a lot actually just one other field player. Obviously, you know, you want a field player striking the ball with goal and the goalkeeper making saves and so forth. Um, but I think one of the things that, and I know we've touched upon this in other chats, um, but I want to make sure that when the field player takes their shot, they take a touch. Uh, we want to do that so the goalkeeper has to move to their set position, not be standing there kind of for the player to strike, but more like the play of a game where the ball is moving as the player goes to strike it. So make sure the, the field player is taking that touch. 
And I think my point with that would be uh, we want the coach and the goalkeepers to reflect on their positioning and that as that touch, if it's a long touch and that player is taking three to four strides, the goalkeeper should be taking three to four strides. Um, you're not just going to take like half a step while they take six strides to get a full sprint to the ball, but make sure that your uh, steps and progressions match and kind of re relate to the, the depth or the length of the touch that's taken. Um, there's other things and other fine points you could add to that, but I think that's one of the biggest things is that if they're just doing that, um, just a simple touch and shoot exercise, make sure it is exactly that, not a stationary ball, but a ball that's touched. So the goalkeeper is working on their uh, positioning initially, and then they're advancing towards the actual shot stopping position as that ball is touched by the forward. Um, so this my kind of like take on that. I don't know, fellas, any other thoughts about kind of like a one-on-one -on -one exercises? I've got one I'll throw in later. Is, and, I, and I think that's the important part, Billy. And, and I think, I hope the other guys agree. And the, the, the one exercise that comes to my mind, there's so much you can do with, you know, with, with just the two players. And we've gotten into this, in this environment where we're, we're having kids do stuff by themselves and now all of a sudden you add a player who can strike a ball at someone and it's like the world just opened up. Uh, but the one exercise that I've always done, whether it's been two goalkeepers or like goalkeeper and a field player when you can match them up, is a goalkeeper simply starts with the ball, plays it out to the right or to the left foot of the field player. And uh, what they're trying to do is essentially, well, when the ball gets played, we talk about the goalkeeper in the moment that that ball is moving, that they should be moving. They should be putting, I, I refer to putting pressure on the shooter. So they roll a ball. Stealing out. ground. Yeah, they steal the ground. It's perfect. They pull the ball out. Um, they read to which foot it's going to go. They close it. So it's uh, the initial movement is quick, and then it has to be small steps to get set. So as soon as that ball is about to hit the striker's foot or the field player's foot, they work on the timing of just getting set. The field player takes another touch. They get another reset to close a little more ground. And then maybe we're just instructing that field player to play it right back to the goalkeepers, uh, back onto the ground, uh, into their feet so they take it with their hands. Or it's into their chest or it's into their midsection. And, and that, as a coach, you, you can guide it however you want that ball to be played. I look at this starting to add in field players to our goalkeeping training as having some additional value of if we've got multiple goalkeepers, they actually get a proper downtime to recover in between sets. And for me, true mastery of a subject is the, the beginning ability to be able to recognize and teach it. So we ask our goalkeepers who are in their downtime to help reflect and coach each other and give each other pointers and support each other. So there is additional value there for bringing in those field players. Where I go with this, fellas, is, and what I appreciate is once you uh, integrate the field player or field players, it's going to give me the opportunity to coach so I can be by the goal, observe the goalkeeper in regards to their approach, their ability to get set. Because when it comes to setting, the technical part is going to be how to set, but then what's going to be even more important is when to set. And with the integration of the field player, now we're getting more into decision-making. So that's really going to be my emphasis. And um, yeah, Billy, it makes a lot of sense in regards to what you're talking about. Yeah, I think we're all on the same page with that. So that's, that's good. That's good. Um, obviously, then the, the next kind of situation that a goalkeeper training with just one field player is, is crossing. And I am a huge believer in uh, John Wooden has eight laws of learning. Um, 
explanation, demonstra demonstration, imitation, repetition, 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 repetition. <laughs> That's it. Um, but I'm a big believer in that. And I think, uh, and I can recall as a, as a collegiate goalkeeper, and actually even in my professional career, uh, Chalky Brown, Greg Brown, he's the coach now at uh, Oxford College, which is a prep school for Emory University. Chalky and I would just go out for an afternoon and he would cross balls. And I mean, literally for two hours, he would cross balls. And I would just see two hours worth of crosses. It was great because it was so much repetition and reading the flight of the ball, reading his movement towards the ball. Again, the same ideas with the cross or with the shooting. He's taking a touch so I can read his prep. Is he, is he springing at it? Is he going to drive it? Is he going to bend it? Um, so I would read how his body was moving to, just towards on a cross. Um, additionally, you know, my positioning. If, if he takes a long touch and it goes towards the end line, do I cheat out more? So I think the goalkeeper needs to, you know, if you've got a goalkeeper coach, they're great. The goalkeeper coach can observe your positioning and give you some feedback. But as a goalkeeper, I would always have to, I didn't have a coach. I would just have to reflect, where was I? Did I, you know, he touched really close to the end line, but I was still on my end line. I didn't cheat out a, a bit. Should I have, okay? And so I think uh, I'm a big believer in repetition, as I said, and I think crossing is, is invaluable for, for kids to just be able to read the flight of the ball. And again, it takes a lot of time. It takes a good crosser, so you don't end up, you know, one attempted cross, go chase the ball, throw it back to the guy, and then, you know, another cross. So you want to try and get either a bag of balls or a, a consistent server. Chalky was a very good server. So I was able to get a lot of repetitions in. Yeah, and with that, what's, what you're saying is, if you as the coach who can give quality service, if you're the one giving the quality service, we lose the opportunity to recognize all those nuances the goalkeeper needs to pick up that because your attention's not on the goalkeeper, it's on the quality of the service. Yeah. Also, what I also like about just the, the goalkeeper going out there, one, they're taking initiative to train on their own with a field player. So they've gotten out there by themselves. The only thing that I would just kind of layer in and hopefully the goalkeeper does get some coaching and understand that, hey, this is a great opportunity for trial and error. And, you know, I think, you know, with goalkeeping, it's just like you got to be able to put yourself out there and take some risks but enjoy that moment. So the trial and error aspect, what you're talking about, Billy, like, hey, that self-reflection, they're having to self-correct and kind of figure things out, yeah. which I think grows them as a goalkeeper. And I'll, I'm gonna, I wanna add too, is it in really good points and what we're seeing, and, and Jeff made this, this point of, that we're seeing more, less of, less goalkeeping camps that, I think we have a belief that they're they're very functional. They're a good goalkeeper camp, and it's more of these small either goalkeeper group trainings or a lot of individual group or excuse me individual goalkeeper training, and and this would be for coaches. I, I would encourage coaches to, if you're coaching a, or training a goalkeeper, can you train a field player at the same time? Um, so A is a goalkeeper coach. You're not having to strike every single ball. Not to say that you shouldn't be able to. But I feel like as a coach, and I've changed my mentality on this over time, is that if you can have someone else strike a ball or train someone else at the same time, you can do a better job as a coach evaluating and coaching your goalkeeper as opposed to striking it and then only seeing maybe half of the equation of how that goalkeeper functions. You might see how they catch, but you may not see how they move. And I think there's so, so much value in seeing their preparation before they catch approach across whatever it is 
100%. Yeah, no, these are, these are great points. This is really good information for goalkeeper coaches as well as goalkeepers. This is great stuff. Um, I wanted to throw one other exercise in there because I just, over the years, uh, when I was coaching in North Carolina, just developed this with the goalkeepers there because uh, a lot of times we didn't have field players with us or so forth. But um, it's kind of a breakaway exercise where if you've got a buddy who's a forward and I'm the goalkeeper, put the goalkeeper or the forward with the ball on the corner of the six in the end line. The goalkeeper's in the center of the goal. The goal, the forward has to take one touch and then score however they want to. If they want to keep dribbling, if they want to just smack it, whatever. And so they have to, the field players to take a touch into the field and the goalkeeper starting in the center of the goal obviously has to sprint to cover their near post, but then also has to read the touch. Are they going to shoot this? How far was that big touch? How many strides do I go? What angle do I make the stride at? And it's just kind of like a nice, especially if you've got a field player and a goalkeeper, it's a little bit of a competition. We're bringing in a little bit of competition now. So it's a 1v1. The field player starts on the corner of the six, uh, the, the side of the six box in the end line, the goalkeeper in the center of the goal. And take a touch out, goalkeeper has to respond accordingly. And if they want to take four or five touches, go ahead. Because in four or five touches, I should be able to close you down even farther and farther and in, increase my odds, my chances of making a save. And we used to do that a lot. And I think the goalkeepers got um, a lot of benefit out of it because it was a part of when we tend to train breakaways, it tends to be balls over the top, Ford gets a 20-yard run on a 30-yard run. But this is a much more uh, reasonable situation that's not practiced as much. If a ball pops loose in a, in a crowded box on a corner or something like that, and it's a 1v1 within, you know, 10 yards, 6 yards in this case, um, and so I just wanted to throw that out there. So, fellas, any reflections or thoughts? Any other exercises to throw out there? No, I, I like the activity there, Bill. What I like is the realism. And it's wonderful to use goalkeepers because we're always talking about the modern goalkeeper being very competent yeah. with their feet. But you're not nuanced like a striker. So to have a real striker in there and do all the things that they would do and to learn over and over and over of when this player does this or when they do that, that, that just expedites the learning process immensely. I like the, I like the emphasis on competition, because I think you know, once you, once you integrate the field player and it becomes a competition, it's, it's me versus you. And you know, as a goalkeeper, you're going to be confronted with a situation where it's just you and that one player. What I also love about that is the realism of having to make decisions. Am I gonna keep my feet? Am I going to close? Am I going to spread? Am I going to smother? Because these are all realistic situations that occur when you're confronted with a 1v1. So all those elements um, just add more realism and, uh, again, challenges the goalkeeper. But also, the goalkeeper hopefully is building some confidence where it's just like, all right, you got to beat me. So there's that psychological component of can you solve me in this situation? And, and, and I'll, I'll throw this back to Soccer Plus Goalkeeper School, and you guys can decide, see if you can remember. It's a little trivia for Billy and George. But when we put in a field player or got competitive, where one of our directors would say, Wilhelm, now it's personal. <laughs> it's personal, yeah. And yeah, I mean, we're developing a bit of mental toughness, um, which, again, I could talk about for hours. Um, all right. Well, good, good. Let's, let's move to now. Um, if you have two field players with a goalkeeper and again, um, it, it's not a lot of fancy things really kind of simple, but if the two field players um, just, you know, want to the field player with the ball, you have a touch, you can touch and shoot, 
or you can pass. And the goalkeeper has to read whatever happens. If they're taking a touch forward, well, they're going to shoot. I'm going to go in advance and cut their angle. They take a pass. Okay, I'm going to have to respond to where the other field player is, um, get my positioning set. That If I say that player has one touch or say that player has two touch, you know, you limit the field players to two touch total between them. Then it's going to be a one-touch shot. You can play that. If they're going to have to take another touch, they touch and do that. But I think having the field players um, take touches and then, again, having that option of a pass makes the goalkeeper react a bit more dramatically, but that's also a bit more realistic. And I think that's very good. And again, I don't think that's a problem because field players don't want to defend anyway. So <laughs> they're forwards. They're not going to want to defend. We can have them both shooting. Um, uh, so there's a, a starter, just kind of like, a, again, when we're working with the two um, field players and a goalkeeper. Fellas, anything, any other ideas, any other exercises? I'll go again. Um, I think that second player in there, we've talked about realism, but we get two more R's in this point. We get reload and rebound because now you have to pay real attention to where if you spill a ball, it's not just to the player who shot it. Where's that second player lurking? How do I deal with that rebound? Do I chase it? Do I close it? Or do I stay and save? So I think the, the added things you get when you add that additional player Goalkeepers have to really pay attention to the quality of their save and what they're doing with that ball or what they're doing after with that ball if they can't hold it. I'm going to go a little bit before that. And when I think about two players working together, I think about combination play. So up, back, through, you know, whether it's up, back, take a touch to a shot or up, back, uh, 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 you know, a square pass or a ball that penetrates the box. So now I'm really looking at starting position. The goalkeeper now has to think about, you know, more about finding their ball line as well as that level of anticipation. You know there's going to be some type of combination, and we know that our defenders get compromised in real matches. So now we have to anticipate, you know, where that ball is probably going to go or when it does happen, you know, they, they know. They have an idea of where they need to be. So, again, I like the realism of it. And, again, it's, it's all about the goalkeeper having to make decisions but it starts with starting position, the adjustment to the ball line, and their, their timing of their set, and then obviously their response to the ball. And, and I'll, what I'll do, and I think it, and this is good because it pulls Jeff and, and George's concepts together, and I know I'm not sure um, how Jeff will refer to this, but I know Billy and George, we've referred to it in the past as our, th our three-goal situation. Um, we talked about that. Essentially, if we have two players, think about one player on the flank and sort of the half channel, and they're on the edge of the 18, meaning that the ball, all they're going to do is start with the ball at their foot, and they're just outside the edge of the 18. They're going to take a touch. The ball enters the 18-yard box, which compromises the goalkeeper's front post. So the goalkeeper is going to get drawn to the front post. And as field players and as coaches who coach field players, I always want my field players to get into that position because it does compromise the goalkeeper. Um, and I think back, George, when we played UCLA, when you were a junior, we talked about at halftime, how are we going to beat Brad Friedel? The only way we're going to beat Brad Friedel was get him to his near post and have to draw him back across the goal. And that's how we, we fortunately scored. So in this situation, goalkeeper has to get, gets drawn to his front post. So now, we're, we're talking about decision-making 
and timing. And Jeff had mentioned, where is that other field player lurking? So in this situation, ball starts on just on the edge of the 18, gets touched inside the box. The goalkeeper has to come and get set and protect the, the near post and be able to deal with any ball that gets hit near bar or a ball that gets driven across that they need to be able to deflect or catch. But in that process, they have to know where that second field player is. And we can instruct that second field player, run to the near post, delay to the penalty spot, reload and go to the back post. Um, that way, the goalkeeper, when that first touch is being taken, they can take a look. We tell our field players, take a look over your shoulder. Our goalkeepers have to do that same thing. If they're getting drawn to their near post, they have to be able to take a quick look over their, over their shoulder and where is that other field player? And it's going to give them an idea of where that ball might get driven. And so we're talking about anticipation. Good, good. These are great points for, for goalkeeper coaches as well as goalkeepers. Um, I'm going to tweak things a little bit. And now, uh, again, in the spirit of competition, George mentioned competition, and I was worked with Anson for a few years, so trust me, competition is valued. Um, but now 1v1 to goal. Uh, and I think I'd like to just start off by not having a maybe not as a traditional one v one, but kind of not that untraditional or non-traditional, um, but having the a defender probably 25 yards. Again, this is all going to be relative, depending on the abilities of the field players and so forth. But the defender about 25 yards straight up the middle of the goal, and forward on the either the intersection of the D and the 18, and the defender passes the ball to the forward. The forward then try to score, just try to score, and it's a little bit up to the defender and the goalkeeper has to read things and be able to make a decision. Is the defender going to recover or do I have to make the save? Do I have to close this player or will the defender get there? So obviously if the defender passes much more on goal side of the forward, yeah, I'm going out. I'm going to try and either win it or I'm going to try and contain and win the breakaway. Or if they pass on the backside of the defender, well, or I'm sorry, the goal of the forward, is the defender going to catch them? If I pass straight to their feet, is the defender going to catch them? Do I, am I going to go and do this or am I going to expect the defender to get there? So I think by having that little bit of a, you know, again, it's not anything, we're not reinventing the wheel, so to speak, but having that uh, aspect of decision-making coming in and reading the ability of the defender to recover and handle the situation, or do I have to go and have the defender cover me? So I think that's just one other aspect we could throw in there with, again, if you've got two field players, they, they generally will love to compete themselves. And so I think this way is, uh, some of you mentioned, you know, having the field players involved and interested and active. Um, I think this is a great way to do it. But also the, the coaching points for the goalkeeper are, you know, lead the pass, make a decision. Am I going to have to shut this down? Or can the defender recover and respond accordingly? So, again, throwing it out to you all for, for other ideas or comments. Well, I think that's fantastic. It makes me think, to we have a preseason session in one of our first sessions we do – uh, with our with our men's team is it's all based around 1v1 defending and we progress it based on how quickly they, they understand the concept or they've been taught it in their clubs or, or coming up and we finish with you know and I, I, I don't do all of our goalkeeper training with our team because we have another another gentleman who actually uh, trains our goalkeepers and I have a lot more responsibility with the program and I'm actually running this session and it's all 1v1 defending uh, so the, the last piece of it really is something like that so we have goals and we play this with two goalkeepers but you can do this with just two field players and a goalkeeper so the ball the ball gets played out from the field player uh, and 
we have a grid set up that's only about 10 yards wide. So it's only about one yard wide of each post. Uh, ball gets played out across, maybe 20, 25 yards across. It's played as the defender plays it. He can, he can close it. But one of the things that we're, the two things are working on with the goalkeeper, and we talk coaching points for the goalkeeper coaches or for the coaches is um, the communication of the goalkeeper to the defender, where, where they want that field player, maybe we want to force it left, um, force it right, whatever that might be, putting them, basically putting them in, into an angle that's an easier ball to deal with. So, and going back to what you said, the goalkeeper closing, closing ground or closing space and, and making, making decisions, whether they can come win a ball or they have to stay and hold shape. And we time it. We only give them 10 seconds. Uh, so it's ball gets played out. It's 10 seconds on the clock. And once 10 seconds is the exercise is over because otherwise, you know, it's, it becomes less realistic if it goes really any longer than that. I love an activity like that because one, I immediately start thinking about tactics. And for me, initially, it's going to be based on their starting position, their vertical position, the ability to play the space in front of them as well as behind them. So I'm thinking right away that where's, where's that ball starting? And then once it's played in, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm looking to steal ground because the ball is traveling. So, and again, if it's traveling into the box, I'm obviously going to be able to, to, to take some more ground. But if it's, if it's received outside the box, I know I'm going to have to be a bit more patient. So um, I love the fact that it's putting a, compromising a goalkeeper to get them to think very quickly. And at the same time, as much as you're thinking about that decision, you have to now implement communication, immediate, you know, tenth of a second is, are you going to allow your field player to handle it and, and track the player? Or are you going to be thinking about them covering for you? So in that situation, the goalkeeper is the covering defender yep, initially. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm already thinking about tactics when you're, you're implementing these type of decisions and, and it becomes a one versus one in such a small amount of space and it has to be immediate. Those decisions have to be made very quickly. We, we love that exercise and we've done it for about three years now in our, in our preseason as our first true like sort of technical and tactical session and it exposes kids and goalkeepers really quick. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to start, to, we, can, we can decide pretty quick who, what kind of, how much more teaching we need to do in terms of first and second defender, which again, the goalkeeper is a second defender there. Um, but from a goalkeeping standpoint, um, what kind of decision-making and communication skills our goalkeepers have and need. The beauty of this with E is that we can all agree, hopefully, that these scenarios don't happen too frequently in games. Yeah. But when they happen, they are critical moments. They're defining moments for goalkeepers. So as we train them, we have to keep them as realistic as possible. So that recovering defender forces the attacker to play at game speed and to make game speed decisions. And then going back to what George says, it ties in the tactics of who's the pressuring player, who's the covering player, and how do we deal with this player when the defender all of a sudden doesn't realize in training that the goalkeeper's taking my role as the pressuring player, how do I organize myself behind him or her to give that player a cover so we don't have the little tap-in goal when we get beat to the side where we think we've added value to the team by delaying them and forcing them wide um, and that that player just keeps recklessly pressuring and we've got no cover when we've conceded an easy, an easy goal where it should have been an easy little just clean up for our defender behind us. But I think 
the realism and all the decisions that go with this at game speed can't be replaced. Yeah, this is good. This is good. I think we we're all starting to bring in the idea of decision-making because that's such a big part of goalkeeping. And again, even with just two field players, now you're able to train decision-making. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. Um, if, if we started central, let's bring the ball wide. So we're talking about wide to the flanks. Again, with just two field players, um, you know, this is one of those situations where I've got, I'm going to throw out a couple of uh, kind of like games, but only because I got, used to get very frustrated because when I would train with two field players, I'd get so much less out of it at times because the the forwards or the, I'm sorry, the wide player tends to cross the ball. When, once they see it forward, the ball goes immediately well outside the goalkeeper's range. They don't want the goalkeeper to get it, so they cross well outside the goalkeeper's range and it becomes, it lacks the realism that Jeff was speaking about. Um, so he did kind of two things. Uh, one was if the forwards in front of goal, the wide player crosses, you can only score with your head, meaning that I can't play the ball to the top of the 18 because you're probably not going to score with your head from the top of the 18. Um, so it's just, okay, you've got to score with your head. That was fine. But then we wanted to make it a little bit more competitive uh, and a little more challenging for the goalkeeper so the goalkeeper can get used to a physical challenge and, and a, someone challenging for the ball. And we then said, okay, the field player – with a wide ball, you cross it, the goalkeeper catches it, you get two points. The forward, you have to start at the six, so they can't get a big run up because we don't want any danger. We want to try to keep it safe. Goal, the forward starts at the six, and once the ball is struck, you can take off. And so the forward, the wide player is trying to play the ball into the goalkeeper's hands. Now, I will. the disclaimer is that's not really what happens in a game. And I'll concede that. No, that's not what really happens in a game. But I'm not teaching the wide player to cross the goalkeeper. I'm crossing the wide player to cross to a target. Now, in this game, the target is the goalkeeper. But in a real game, obviously, the target is not the goalkeeper. The target is the forward. But I just used to get so frustrated with, you know, half of the crosses going behind the goal uh, and so forth. So, we came up with this and it, and it worked out pretty well because again, the forward now has to focus on a target they're actually crossing to. That's a very specific target. That's going to be challenged. If it's, the, if they're just crossing to the field player, well, if I cross to the 18, that's okay. The forward will still get it. It was just a waste of time. It wasn't as realistic. Uh, so those are just kind of like, and again, it, it got competitive because you would do that. The forward gets a point if they score two points, if you catch it and then they switch and then they're competing. The forwards are competing against each other and the goalkeepers just getting a lot of reps. Um, and again, that was just my, my frustration with crosses not being, again, we talked about Jeff, I think mentioned, somebody else mentioned about, you know, uh, we want reps of these very, very important situations and want them as realistic and as creative as possible. And so I think this, this helped me anyway in my training to get more quality reps out of uh, a session. Fellas, things to add when we play the ball wide, how would you, how would you guys handle playing the ball wide? I'm going to use, use that just because uh, – use what Bill said because I've done a similar session where, and I'll just take this, I make a grid, essentially I'll just use four or six discs, it doesn't matter. I'll set one even with the front post three yards out, and then the other even with the penalty spot, and then I'll put one on the PK spot, and then one uh, at 12 yards out at the back post, and then, you know, like say one at the six and one at the three. So there's basically a grid that is six yards, you know, six yards high, is that right? Three, nine yards. Yeah. So read the PK and then from post to post. And the How many yards is that? How many yards is that? It's 87. Ah. <laughs> it's, uh, so the, the, the field player has to deliver a ball into that grid. It has to get delivered into that grid. 
If they deliver it into the grid, it's two points. If they score a goal, it's two points. So we talk competitive. And the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper gets three points for every ball that they catch and hold. Um, and we have assigned different values for a ball that gets boxed away. But in this situation, we're trying to get them to deliver the ball into a certain area. Part of that area should be attackable and winnable from the goalkeeper. Um, George talked earlier about make mistakes, work on your range, like go for balls that maybe are on, on your limit, right? Good time to do it. But now it's competitive in terms of how, how we can, the goalkeeper can score points, the field players can score points. Uh, and like you said, Bill, they're not just trying to pull it all the way back to the 18, but balls played into that sort of, and you can make the gridded area as big as you want. You can even cut it into two different grids, a front, a front grid and a back grid. But I've done it that way just to make it so our field players are delivering balls where we want, where the goalkeeper has to make a decision uh, to anticipate and attack, and attack a ball. Yeah. I think progressively when I, when I start thinking about the flank play, so again, building confidence for the goalkeeper. So again, you can do that same activity, but now you're just pulling the, the field player that's serving wider. So into that wide channel, so now the goalkeeper will have more time. The ball is in flight longer. And again, I might, I might actually put flat discs and create a second six. So we're looking at 12 yeah. yards. So I think progressively that way. So deeper. So now the goalkeeper has more time to put work and read the flight of the ball. And that has a little bit more of the time for decisions. But then I bring it in closer. So now the goalkeeper, again, now has to adjust their positioning. So now I bring the, the, the field player, the server, closer to the, the 44, the penalty area. And then, um, again, looking to get, uh, create realism through the touch. So now when they get to the 44 or just before the, the, the penalty area, they take a touch. So is the ball inside the penalty areas. It's still outside the penalty area. So now the goalkeeper's got to figure out, am I, am I getting to the near post or am I getting into the front third? And again, the competition with the real runner um, is obviously a, a, a tremendous benefit because we want competition. It's very uh, unrealistic that a goalkeeper's not going to be contested. So um, that's the way where I start uh, looking at these activities. And again, I think the, the emphasis on intercepting is a priority, but then once again, if you are being contested, you know, the box, you know, are you boxing the ball? Are you tipping the ball? Because they can be effective plays. And there's two things I'd like to add. One is a luxury item. Um, and we do a lot of our wide play is setting up mannequins or the, the blow up dummies up and, and loading the front part of the six where you would have congestion organically to, to let the goalkeepers gauge their decisions, whether they would come or that would be a defender's ball. Um, and the one sort of a non-negotiable with me is once we've won that ball from the flight, we, we keep our score with additional points after winning it is setting up weak targets or weak targets on the weak side. So if they can place that ball into a target or close to a park target, we score, if you, hey, if you hit it, two more points. If you're within one yard or two yards left or right, you score an additional point. But we always how try many, to pull. How many points, Shuki, do you get for, for knocking the crap out of a blow-up dummy? <laughs> it depends Yellow card. It's got my face taped to it or your face taped to it. <laughs> but, uh, we always try to take our actions that we're focusing on 
and one action of reality after that into the game. So here focusing on wide play and receiving service, what would be my action immediately following that in the match and then continuing it to that and then restarting back with the next service. I, th I think that's fantastic. Tracy Noonan, I can't remember where the discussion was, but we had a discussion about that and, and how at some point as goalkeeper coaches, and I know we're a little off, we're going a little bit of a tangent here, but instead of just making our goalkeepers make saves, catch a cross, make a save, the decision that they need to make immediately after that is really important. So I think Shirky's point is fantastic. And if we even go backwards and just talk about basic handling, handling a ball, and if you're playing with a field player, concentrate on the quality of the distribution and the foot that it goes back to as opposed to, cool, I just made the save. And I get all my goalkeepers at all levels, like my college goalkeepers especially, I, I crush them with that, and I don't let them get away with poor distribution. Well, I don't know where I, I don't know where I heard it from, but uh, I love that fact too, Shooky, because I always say that 50% of our job is making the save, and then the other 50% is what we do with the ball. Yeah. The one thing I would add is, um, one of the things I'd add, and again, this, I'm just big on this only because having coached female goalkeepers for such an extended period, um, and the most vulnerable spot for a header is over the top. Yeah. And so many kids, you know, we want them cheating off their line. Yeah, I want you two yards off your line, okay? If they call away and they're not going to get it, They'll stand there. I'm going, no, 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 no. If you're not going to get it, you drop to your line. And kids don't do that, yeah. especially on the female side. They need to know, if I'm not going to get it, I'm going to go back on my line. And it's, for some, it may seem counterintuitive. They're trained, oh, cut off the angle, cut off the angle. Yeah, but this is a header. And you're most vulnerable, not for a header at each post, but a header over your head. Yeah. And so <laughs> I would, if I find myself making coaching points in a crossing session, I'd say close to half of them will be – Back on your line. Back on your line. If you're going to call away, that's, I'm fine with that. That's okay. You're not going to get it. Good decision. But get back on your line. Don't get beat by a floater over your head. And we yeah. see it at all levels. I mean, there was a goal I saw this weekend. can't remember what match it was, but there was a goal this weekend at the professional level. Goalkeeper gets beat over their head um, because they're off the line. So I think these are all great, you know, coaching points and information. Um, to the game, right? So, sorry about that, Shooky. Again, I think where, where you go there, Billy, and to me, which is such, so important, and especially when I was training with the, with the professional keepers, is keep it relative to the game. But you don't need to be a professional. You need to ingrain those, those good habits while they're young. So yeah. keep it relative to the game. You're not just going to call away and stand. You are going to yeah. adjust in relation to the ball. Yep. Yeah. And to Dave's point on the quality of distribution, for a beginner goalkeeper, accuracy might be to feet. For a more advanced goalkeeper, it's which foot. For a, a much more advanced, which surface of which foot. And, and lucky for us with the attention to detail our goalkeepers in the UWS is, it's not only which surface of which foot, it's what's the texture on the ball going to do to that player. Is there backspin to lay up for them? Are you shaping that ball into their run? Are you shaping it into their back foot and then supporting it? So the level of detail it can go deep. It's a rabbit hole. Um, yeah. You might not find your way out of it. Absolutely. Right? That, that's what you have to demand of the goalkeeper who's playing at the top level. Accuracy doesn't mean you got it to me. Am I yeah. completing the pass after it? Am I putting that player in a position to complete their next pass? Yeah. That's what I always find field players, especially in the women's game, are far too nice. You know, you could throw them a ball and it bounces to their hips and thank you. It's like, no, no, no. If it was a, you know, 
bit more aggressive. I can recall players in my time. If I threw a ball on a bounce of their hips, they would let me know they weren't happy with that. And in I kind of right terms, I won't. Yeah, I can't express the terms I would hear here, but um, yeah, they would let me know about that. Really, you threw him a hand grenade, you blew him up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I received a hand grenade from them. Hey, we were playing, I'll tell a quick story. We were playing in the Connecticut Soccer League or New England Soccer League, and I had a, an Irish forward, and I was pinging balls off a half volley to him the whole game. And he, I hit one ball to him, I caught across, and I spun it to my right beyond the halfway line, and it, I wanted to hit it in front of him, and I hit it with a little bit of bend, and it kind of came into him, and he had to slow up and receive it. And he stops and, and puts it to his foot, and he's got a ton of time. He looks at me, and you guys know my nickname is Lottie. He goes, Lotto, I said to my right foot. <laughs> and he screams <laughs> at me, and then he takes it, and he keeps playing. It was <laughs> Yeah, okay. Okay, checks in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so again, we're progressing. Now, um, if we have three field players, and again, um, one of the biggest things I think obviously is, is that we talked about decision-making being involved and bringing that into these kind of trainings. And I think this is another uh, good point, uh, another good chance to bring in decision-making. And just a very simple uh, 2v1 to goal, 2v1 to goal, having the defender with the ball. And I have the defender with the ball. You play it to one of the two, and you can come at them from the defensive side, from the goal side, and shut them down. And I think the big thing for the goalkeeper is, okay, read the pass – Okay, is the pass at the player's feet at their foot? Is the defender going to go and shut down that player? Is the ball in front or to one side or the other? So is that defender coming to kind of shut down the pass more than the, than the shot? So I have to read and play more of the shot. If they're going to shut down the shot, but the pass is wide open, do I have to kind of like lean towards or cheat a bit towards maybe they're going to make a pass? And I think just a simple 2v1 exercise like this is um, – it's simple, but it's also very beneficial to the goalkeeper in terms of what they can get out of it. And this is where the goalkeeper coach and the goalkeeper needs to reflect after each occurrence, what was I thinking? Okay, what was I thinking? And what actually happened? And hopefully they match, but hopefully what I was thinking and what, they, what occurred matched. And if not, then what should I have done? How could I read that better? How could I respond better? Um, so again, it's a very simple one. I'll just throw it out for you all for other ideas. So now, now that we're up to three players, going from uh, to, from two to three. Other thoughts? I'm just going to take what I elaborated on before because it's part of our progression. And I talked about that exercise where defender plays a ball um, 18, like, probably more like 20, 22 yards away. They play it in and, and close. But now that ball goes in diagonally across that grid. Um, again, they're starting the ball from next to the post, maybe not the most realistic situation, but the idea is the ball gets played across. And now instead of being a 1v1, one defender, one field player, now it's a 2v1 situation. We might put touch limits on that. So the same thing applies. It's the same type of exercise. It's 2v1 to goal. And now we're, we're, we're dealing with the goalkeeper. George talks about stealing ground while the ball is moving. Now we're trying to make a decision of when that ball gets played, communicate to that one defender. Where do we want that player who's receiving the ball? And then having to deal with, ideally, we want that player to keep the ball. We don't want him to release and pass if we can do that, um, or it's a negative pass. But, but the, the idea there is if we can force him into a poor angle, take away um, the ball that gets played across to the second, the second attacker. I'd rather, as a goalkeeper and as a coach, have a player shooting from a poor angle as opposed to some of the other better options. So 
Um, that's that's my thought process, and I think that's similar to what Bill was alluding to. And now we can make it competitive to be one to go. If I'm using that act, if I'm using that activity, I immediately start thinking about the the recovery run, not the recovery one, but the run in the approach, the approach of the defender. Because if you have those two options, one I'm playing across the grid, one I'm playing straight out. So either way, though, if the if the field player goes across, their approach is going to run towards them and hopefully force the goal force the player and keep them to that left side or the goalkeeper's right. If they're playing, if they're coming off that left post, if they play straight, they're now going to have to take a, an approach towards the middle and then look to keep the defender, I'm sorry, the attacker on the left side. So I'm looking immediately in trying to get communication out. The goalkeeper needs to get communication out what they want that defender to do. And in a 1v1 situation, we know if the defender is overly aggressive, it's just too easy. So having them decelerate to contain, and as you stated, Lado, can you keep that player from uh, uh, keeping them from passing and making that easy slip pass through? But in that case, goalkeeper has to anticipate being in a good starting position so that they can be that covering defender in that situation. But as we're well aware, more space benefits the attack. So that delaying is so critical because now the, the deeper they drop in, and again, you can't have them drop too much, but the deeper, the less space, it affords the goalkeeper an easier opportunity to intercept if there is a through ball. And, and I'll add context back to that exercise. Similar to what we did with 1v1, we always put a time limit on it. And it's usually like a 10-second time limit. And we time it. Like every, every – it's 10 seconds. It counts down. The whistle blows. It stops. And then the next 10-second battle or round begins. Um, so in this situation, 10 seconds gives it context. It gives it a little bit more realism in terms of that 2v1 situation. At some point, it's not always going to be a 2v1 situation. And the beauty of this, this additional player now allows our goalkeepers to start to figure out what are their physical capabilities in large movements. We're no longer just dealing with shuffle and a set. Now that that player can find the open player across the box, how well do I track ground from my right post to my left post? And can I pick up the proper moment to go from those big strides to small strides into my set position? So we had all that reality that the game would give us once again, talking about hopefully these are infrequent moments in a game, but they're still the most critical. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add is uh, we would go from this, to, and it kind of touches upon a lot of the uh, points you guys have made, but I, I would tweak the starting positions. And so originally my starting position, the defender's a bit more goal side of the two forwards. I, I would tweak it. And then we would go to where um, the three were in a line. They're all parallel to the goal line. So the defender's passing, and they have to recover. Um, and then, again, the goalkeeper has to, as we just spoke about, read that pass, read the acceleration and the, and the gate of the forward. Are they going to be able to get behind the defender? Do I have to go and close, or is this defender going to recover? So I tweak it in that sense. And then the, the last tweak I would do is have them all in a line, but um, perpendicular to the goal line, where the defender's the last player, a player is kind of like posting up, the forward is posting up against him, and then the forward is, you know, five, to, nah, maybe 10 yards out beyond that. So that the defender is at the 22, the forward is directly in front of them, 22 and a half, and then the 
for the midfielder, who's a, another attacker, higher than that. So they played in. I'm, I'm generally as a goalkeeper. Now I have to realize, you know what? This probably isn't going to be an immediate shot. What's going to happen? Which side is the forward run or is the midfielder running off of? Do I want to cheat to that side? But I still have to recover and maybe make the gross movement that, that Jeff was speaking about if the defender fakes that pass but then cuts to my right. So I think just, you know, the same kind of exercise. But now just go ahead and play with the starting positions. By tweaking them, you add two different scenarios, different situations that force all these issues we've been talking about um, with the goalkeepers in terms of their decision-making. I like that activity, Billy, and because it's, it's going to manipulate the starting position. Because when the ball travels in, the goalkeeper is going to take some ground because there's going to be pressure up the backside. And if, you know, with communication, you're telling your defender there, you know, no turn, no turn. And now if they hold on to it and the, the player's running, now we have to, there's that level of anticipation. What's going to happen next? So once that pass is made, and again, Jeff did a, you know, mentioned, you know, those movements, the longer strides versus the shorter strides. And again, the realism is, is more effective in, in, in that uh, activity. And I think that puts more emphasis on the goalkeeper to make or force them to make sounder decisions and communicate more effectively. I'll add for our, you know, for our coaches to consider, um, and this would maybe be more for the coach that's not the goalkeeping centric coach. So um, you're, you're one coach, you've got either a small group or you're in a, a you know, a, an environment where you're, where you're using a goalkeeper and, and three field players. So it's a 2v1 situation. And maybe you're really, the focus is for you as a, as a coach, as you're really working more on a combination type of player or a 2v1 attack to goal, or maybe it's your one, one, one defender in their decision-making. But we can make our exercises a little more goalkeeper-centric and give the goalkeeper a sense of purpose. So in, that, in these exercises, and we'll do it sometimes, is that the goalkeeper starts every exercise with the ball. So it's their distribution that starts every single exercise and not always a field player or a coach playing a ball into the exercise. So just something to think about um, to keep your goalkeepers engaged in terms of their distribution and their decision-making. I love that, Dave, because the younger goalkeeper, the younger generation is, is now being, you know, hearing all the time that you have to be a soccer player. You have to be effective with your feet. So whether they're throwing or kicking, you know, that, that initiation from the goalkeeper is now giving them repetition. So, you know, rather than having that field player pass it in uncontested, now it becomes a bit more functional because when the goalkeeper plays it out, the defender's now going to step up. Now that, that point forward is going to have to step up. So now it becomes more realistic. The goalkeeper is now stepping up. Now that, that the field player that was receiving it is, is capable of making a real decision. Are they going to carry the bar? Are they going to pass it in? And now we're training the game. You know, we're training game, realistic situations. Agreed. Lotto, I was just going to throw, yeah, you know, you mentioned the time limit. Um, and the last exercise I mentioned is kind of like a, a, a staple at North Carolina is they call bogeys. Um, and, you know, you incorporated a 10-second time limit. NC would have no such thing as a time limit. If those players have to battle 1v1 for 30, 35 minutes, he's happy. Battle them all. Battle. No, run. Beat him. Beat him. And if they're out there for, like I said, 30 minutes, he's a happy guy. You know, it's yeah. like, good, keep going, keep going. Um, it's fun. We turn it into uh, – so we might have – if we have enough goalkeepers, we might have three grids. If we have – if we're lucky to have, you know, six goalkeepers and maybe four – 
but you basically have two teams and you're alternating the ball coming in from a different side. So it's always two V one or it's always one V one and we'll play for eight minutes, six minutes. And it's, it gets intense. Like our, our goalkeepers are worked when it's done because they're, they're the ones that are in every exercise. They're always moving. They're always communicating. And I look at them when they're done and they're just smoked and it's, it's perfect. Though. It's great. It's great. Um, I think that kind of wraps uh, some sort of maybe uh, other closing points. I think kind of the things we touched upon that were common to all things were the importance of positioning and adjusting and moving, altering position based on the ball, which kind of leads into the decision-making, which was a bigger, as more and more players got involved, I think we each emphasized more and more the decision-making, deciding, you know, clash reference, should I stay or should I go? Um, <laughs> but I think, uh, I think that's an important consideration as goalkeepers. You want to be able to make good decisions because that's such a big part of the game. Um, no matter what level you're at, I mean, as, as I coach higher and higher levels, decision-making became such an a incredible priority. Um, so I think this has been good. Fellas, anything to add before we wrap it up? I just say don't ever forget our communication. I, I think our, 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 especially our young kids, and I'm seeing it now. I've seen it with my, with my college goalkeepers. They're just not getting the attention they need um, through their younger years. Their communication skills are brutal. Um, you know, I, I'm like, you could probably text your center back or text your outside back the message easily, but why can't you say it? Um, so it's, they, it's just, I'm having to work on things with 18, 19, 20 year old uh, men and women that um, they need, that, that I'm trying to instill. I've gone back into the club a little bit in the last two years so I can help this process, uh, the communication and the simplicity of things uh, that I'm just seeing that at 18 years old, they're not getting. So communication, I think is, uh, is a piece that, and I, and I don't mean yelling, but being directive and precise in your communications. Good, good. Folks, things to wrap it up. How are we doing? All right. Shooky, you had something. I did. I didn't know if you were going to go next. No, I'm letting you go. And now my, my piece was as we start to add these players in, and in past episodes, we've talked about the, the biggest struggle is getting our timing and rhythm back. Well, the more pieces we put into the puzzle to make it look like the complete game, our timing and rhythm starts to come back. And we're noticing that with our team right now is couple more weeks, a few more players, the, the restrictions taken off, whether it's pandemic or preseason, timing and rhythm are crucial. And the only way to get to that is by getting the game as close to your practice, as close to the game as possible. And I think the, uh, the additional players adding into our training environment gets us there. That's awesome. I like it. I'm just going to piggyback off Lotto a little bit, but I'm just going to add that piece of, you know, being connected, but physically connected with our positioning in, the, in, those, in those situations, and then the communication aspect. It's one thing to say pressure ball, and then your, your center back or your left, your left center back, your right center back pressure ball, or even a, a wide back, um, outside back, but then giving them layering in more content. Where do you want them to force? You want them to contain and stay with. I think what happens is they may say something, get their, their player initially there, and then they go mute. And I think there's more communication so that you don't have to make a physical save. You can really destroy the, the attack uh, via communication when you give more effective and specific and concise information. Perfect. Yeah, good, good. Um, all right, well, good. That'll wrap us up for today. Um, it's been a good session. I always enjoy these conversations because I'm always picking things up. This is great. All right, we'll close it now, and we hope to see you next week. 
We hope you enjoyed that episode at the Goalkeeper Roundtable. If you'd like to reach out with suggestions, comments, or questions, all of our email addresses are available in the show description. If you like the show, we'd love for you to subscribe to it, but also share it in social media platforms or with any other goalkeeper or coach who may find value in it. We hope you turn in to the next Goalkeeper Roundtable.